0: to I Change the Narrative, a podcast for and about Black men inspiring, supporting, and empowering Black men and Black boys. This episode of I Change the Narrative is sponsored by So Organic, So Suave, also known as Sauce. Sauce is a luxury hair care and skin care refuge for those with thick hair and melanin-rich skin. From healthy beard growth to top-of-head hair styling to an illuminating skin care regimen, Sauce Essentials will naturally enhance your outer appearance to strengthen your inner confidence. Sauce invites you to accept the authenticity and real self-care and embrace your best. You can find Sauce's award-winning grooming essentials online at sossd.co. Again, that's sossd.co. You can also follow Sauce on Instagram and for the latest in product news and updates at sossd.co. Elevate your grooming with Sauce today. Today's topic is lessons in Black manhood. Before we start the conversation, I want our guests to briefly tell us about yourself where you're from, and the work that you're involved in that lends itself to the topic or the lived experience. Thank you so much, gentlemen. We're going to start with Marcus.
1: Amazing. Uh, Nika, thank you for having me on here today, Uh, and I'm super excited about this opportunity. Uh, My name is Marcus Gilmore. I'm originally from the Dallas, Texas area, Uh, Grew up there majority of my life and ended up uh, moving to New York City in about in 2017. So I've been here for five years. Um, So, you know, nine to five, I'm in the advertising industry, uh, leading a lot of campaigns for uh, my client. Um, But when I'm not doing that, um, I sit on the board for Crown Scholars, which is a program based in Dallas, focused on uh, educating young black kings on the steam the uh, STEAM field. So really just powering them and uh, encouraging them to kind of venture outside of just basketball, football, all of those things. Like there's more to the game, there's more to life, there's more to the bag, and uh, really introducing uh, that that science technology space to them. So uh, shout out to Crown Scholars and um, that is what I'm doing right now. Thank you again.
0: Awesome, thank you. Next up we have Chris.
2: Hi, and thanks, Mick, for allowing me to come on, opportunity to speak and also speak with young men, especially in this generation and day and age that we live in. I think it's very critical that we also have a chance to speak into the future of manhood. Uh, but I'm Christopher Boulder, originally from Kannapolis, North Carolina. It's a small town. If you sleep on 85, you'll miss it because it's that small. But about 20 minutes north of Charlotte, North Carolina. If You've heard of it. I've been there most of my life. I. Um, originally just moved here just recently back in July of the summer uh, to Boston, uh, to Boston, Massachusetts. So it's a new experience, new, definitely different from the South. And <laughs> they do not have my accent <laughs> nor my vernacular. So it's a, it's, a, it's a change. But I work with inner city youth, I work with a lot of urban, work in a lot of prison of men of dealing with mass incarceration. I speak to troubled youth. I'm an author as well. And here in Boston, I am associate director of a university here at Gordon Conwell. So that's pretty much keeps my hand full. Married 10 years, uh, and I have four children. One is at my oldest is at Penn State, studying to be a neurologist, and my other three are very young. They're still school age. So uh, my hands are busy. I
0: love it. I love it. Thank you. And last but not least, Rich.
3: Um, to echo everyone else, thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Rich Griffiths. I am originally from North Carolina. Still here, born and raised, been here my whole life. Um, Born in a little town called Burlington. I currently live in another little town um, called Goldsboro. Um, I am married, been married for about four years. I have three daughters, um, ages one, three, and 11. Um, So outside of um, my day-to-day, I am a licensed clinical mental health counselor. I Actually, recently acquired that title. I graduated back in May um, from NC State. So I've been practicing for a couple of months, even though, um, even before then, you know, with internship and all that, I've been really counseling for about two years now. Um, outside of that, I am a graphic designer, I work for a marketing. Um, company in raleigh north carolina so i've been doing that for about well working in graphic design for about a decade now Um, but where i kind of am able to really lend my support and my voice um, for young black men is through counseling Um, having clients who you know sought after me because i am a man because i am a black man more specifically and a christian um, so, just giving them a safe space to be able to just talk about things, express their emotions, um, because I know that just in the, in the time we're in, you know, a lot of times men keep things in. So, just giving them that space to be able to have um, someone who looks like them um, to, you know, just talk and just get that support they need is is what I'm all about.
0: Thank you so much again, gentlemen, for being a part of the conversation. You know, every season I rerun this particular topic with a different panel of men because I always believe in providing fresh perspectives from various age groups of men for the purposes of helping our younger Black brothers navigate Black manhood through sharing of personal discoveries and stories. So this kind of intergenerational mentorship is important and the development of black men, no matter if they're young or if they are more mature. So today um, I'm thankful that you all are gonna provide strategies and tools and lessons that you've had to walk through in order to elevate your futures. So I always say to the men that I have on here, everyone has a story and wisdom knows no limit. So let's get started. What are some of the lessons that you've had to Learn and some of the things that you've had to encounter um, as a black man that you all could pass on to our um, younger black br- brothers as well as our mature black brothers. Anyone can take it.
1: Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I'll jump it off, um, man. Honestly, it's a that's a uh, it's a great question, but there's so many ways we could take this, right? Um, I think the biggest thing for me is like, I I remember just that early um, part of my life where um, it's a community around me, right? So it's my father. And then uh, when I go to church, it's uh, the men at the church. And my dad would take me to all of these, um, these choir rehearsals. And so he was in the male chorus. So I'm like, man, I don't want to go to this, but at nine and 10 and 11, like I didn't realize that being around them all every single Tuesday. And I traveled to the, these churches, like it was building me in a certain way. And these, these men turned out to be my mentors and I still visit them today. Um, And then on the flip side, it's like playing sports too. So being able to tap in from a basketball standpoint or my summer basketball coach, he was uh, very like into, he had his sons around. So it was always this, this group. So, I think community is the biggest thing. It's like being able to find your group that you say, okay, we could talk about it all. We could talk about money. Uh, we could talk about things that happen in life. We could talk about the workspace. Um, and, and I think that's what's important for me today. It's like, not only do I tap in with my my father when I need certain guidance, but the guys that are, we're across the same level and some may be married, some may have houses, some live here or there, but our communication has matured, and we can have these conversations. So, I think it's, it's really community and um, just having a place where you can have those vulnerable conversations and not feel like I'm trying to impress the homie. Like we can just talk about what's really going on in our lives.
0: Right. Absolutely. Anyone
2: want to build off of that? Uh, I test with Marcus and also agree. <clears throat> and I and I say something very light. Uh, to speak, speak, speaking to our younger men and older and middle, some maybe looking for purpose, some looking for direction. Oh, I'll honestly, share with you that a nugget that I always share is that motivation is good, but discipline will sustain you when motivation is no longer there. When when motivation is no longer doing its job, (laughs) when motivation no longer is inspiring, no longer encouraging, you can't really find the wits to find something to motivate you to do. Discipline will sustain you because discipline will keep you when motivation isn't. And I think that's a very substantial piece for the younger me. If I was speaking to the younger me from back then wish that i would have picked up on that growing up and looking for that in community like marcus was just sharing looking for that in accountability looking for that in a community to where i'm not looking for people i'm not looking for the trend i'm not looking for what's what's current i'm looking for what's going to sustain me for in the years to come so when uh i guess those trials or those trip trip you know adversity or temptations be at bay i got something that i could really anchor in and i think uh this younger generation, that's what I think they really need to learn that a trend is meant to come and go, but yes. discipline is meant to stay, it's meant to last, it's fortified, it's solid, it's been tested, yeah. uh, it will endure. Uh, and even if it comes to someone like myself that's in, that's married, when your when your relationships are shaky like discipline will sustain you, you know, you can go on all day with this. So right. I think that was something that I wish I would have learned years ago, but I'm thankful that I ca- I catch it now, but I agree.
1: Thanks.
0: All right. All right.
1: And, and discipline, I mean that, like you touch on that discipline is not easy. Like it is a every week, every month kind of thing. Like I try right. new things. If, if that's from journaling to like creating to-do lists. is like, okay, work out. Like I even add the calendar invites, like workout, out. Uh, if it's journal reading, if it's journal right, like trying to just stick to it, it's tough. Like you're going to fall off and you got to figure out how to get back on and, and tighten back up, you know, and hold yourself accountable. Again, That go back to the community part. Like, you know, having that person or that those group of guys or that text message that says, yo, did you you tap in at the gym, that you do this, that, you know, that you check your account to make sure you really did move that number over because that's what you told me you were going to do. So it's really like, because it's so easy to fall off, you know, and go to bed at 2 a.m., wake up, scrolling your phone, like all that stuff is, it's so easy to do that. So discipline is, is a tough one. Yeah.
0: I think that it's important for black men to know that when you fall off, that it's, it's, okay that you're going to fall off, yeah. but it's more important that you get back on.
2: That's it.
0: And that it. you all do not beat yourselves up because you fall off, yeah. because you are human. Yeah. So that's, I think that's very important as black men that you all should know that and understand that, get to that place where you understand it's okay, but I must get back on.
1: Yeah, yeah I, I mean, Rich, I, I want to hear your take on this, but it's like the unlearning of things, right? Like hmm. sometimes we do beat ourselves up because we like didn't do it, and we're like, "Man, I didn't do it." Like, and now you haven't—you got to unlearn that because we, you have matured and you understand. So, like, is there sometimes, I guess, from a counseling standpoint, that you do have to talk to people about that and unlearning and letting go of things to move on to the next to the next place or whatever they may be going through?
3: Yeah, I would say um, a lot of times when when I talk to clients and, you know, they're kind of expressing me some of the things that they're going through, the biggest thing that I try to voice to them is just giving yourself grace. I think we live in a society where, you know, we're so hard on ourselves and and kind of to the point you were making, like we beat ourselves up if we make a mistake or we do something that, um, you know, otherwise we feel that we shouldn't have done. My my whole point is pushing, giving yourself grace, forgiving yourself and just get allowing yourself permission um, to get back up and just keep moving, Um, you know, learning how to learn from those mistakes, as I'll call them, and um, just moving forward and and not harping on, you know, what you didn't do or what you could have done.
2: But just, again, giving yourself grace. Yeah, I agree with Rich. I believe it's safe to tell people, and I say it all the time, that it's okay not to be okay. I think people need to learn that they can live in that space and live in that grace and allow yourself, man, that it's okay not to be okay to embrace those emotions, process those emotions. I think it's when we begin to put bandages on those feelings and emotions, never processing it, moving on maybe from relationship to relationship, just to find yourself back into that same situation that you put a bandage on last relationship or previous years before, because you never gave yourself time to heal. So I definitely, Rich, I agree, man. That's,
0: that's, that's great. So processing your feelings and emotions. That's good. That's good. That's good.
1: Yeah, And, and to add to that, I think it's different for everybody. Right. And also like, I think about, if y'all told that to like the guys that I, the, the younger guys that I talked to that are like that 18 or right at 21. And what does that mean? It's like you, everybody has a way they go through their, they process feelings. Me is like, if I had a, a down day, I'm going to, I go to the court right here. Like um go to the basketball court and I just shoot free throws. Like I literally like it's, that's the way I am talking through things and I'm talking it through my head or I talk on the phone, but it's that act that I like have learned to tap into. And it's why I probably chose this apartment because the basketball uh, court is right around the corner. Now, granted, I'm not doing, I'm not giving out buckets like I used to, but don't, don't get it twisted. I still will. But <laughs> this is my way of like finding that, that medium and peace, but also processing my day. Right. Even if it was good or bad, like just acknowledging the wins on that day, I shoot free those. If it's a bad day and it just didn't go like I wanted to, I'm gonna go do this type of activity as well. So, again, when I talk, like, I think it's just showing, saying that it's okay to choose your way of processing your feelings, but letting it out, giving yourself grace. As we've we've said here a few times, like I think those are really, really key uh, ways or uh, things to do.
0: Let me ask this to all of you. Um, we're speaking of processing our feelings and emotions. Um, let's talk about. The social media piece, because we are hearing lately, um, Mr. West, um, we see what he's going through. We we we're reading his emotions, his feelings on social media. So, what are your thoughts um, for particularly um, our eighteen-year-olds? Um, talk to us about that. Which are there any do's and don'ts to the social media and processing. Is that the place to process our emotions and feelings?
3: Uh,
0: Go ahead. Go ahead. Go for it.
3: I would say personally, no. Um, Now I, I do think that it is good to be able to maybe get out your emotions in some way. Some people like to write. So I would say instead of writing it on social media, maybe write it in a journal, maybe write it in the notes on your phone, maybe talk to a friend but to me, when you start um, opening your world up to everybody else, then, one, I feel like it's a, a way of crying for attention, which, mm-hmm. you know, in the case of Kanye, I do feel like that he he really does need some healthy support. Healthy but support. I, I just feel like, you know, social media isn't the place for everything. I think we live in a, a, a day and age where we feel that we have to share everything that we're going through on social media, what good or bad. Mm-hmm. And um, I think some stuff should just be kept. Um, I'm not going to say to yourself because I do think it's healthy to get it out, but maybe to some, a trusted community, friends, mm-hmm. again, a journal or something, but not for the whole world to see. Um, I, yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, I, I don't want to make an age assumptions here, but like I didn't grow up, with the phone in my hand, right? Like I didn't get a phone until 11th grade or I'm not on social. So one thing I have to understand is that the 18 year old that they they have the phone in their hand from birth, right? They got the iPad right in front of them. So what we call social to them is like, y'all, I I always had a device, like it's not anything new to me. Um, But I think it goes back to our first part of that community like space, like, how do we create a place where social is a part of them letting their things to say, but it's in a controlled environment and there's this a platform or something that ex- I don't think it exists, but it's somewhere where they can go and it's okay. And it's not used against them. It's not used as a tool when they go back to school or they're freshmen in college, like it, people can't use that as a tool against them and harm them in any kind of way. So uh, it's I think it's it's in development still, right? Like, right. and and when we speak about Kanye, like it's that's different. That's all.
0: It's that's that's
1: <laughs> a different story, but but he he's a person that you can see that he lives outside. He he shares it a lot, mm-hmm. but I think that he carries a lot too. Like this is some if you've ever, you've seen his documentary right. or it's mm-hmm. not his. Uh, the documentary that was created about him. uh, You can see that he carries a lot throughout these parts of his life. Mm -hmm. And now we see him today, you know, and it's like, how do you manage all of that? Like, Mm -hmm. it's really hard to do that when you you speak that much on your life and then you try to attempt these things and it's tough. It's not an easy feat at all.
0: Right.
1: Right. Chris, did you want to add to that? I don't know. (laughs) Like,
2: When it comes to social media, <laughs> when it comes to social media and things like Mr. West, of course, does and other individuals too, like vomiting their yes. issues and dramas. And and I don't know it I guess depends on what kind of mood I'm in when it's on my news feed. I guess they're kind of like, you know, it could rub you wrong. It could rub you right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think I think we have as the people we've gave these individuals kind of that power when it comes to social media. We dived and commented on those likes and shares on social media. I right. think there's nobody to blame but us because we, at the end of the day, give them our undivided attention. Yeah. Uh, for, for Mr. West, I mean, I guess for him per se, he uses that social media as marketing per se. I mean, that's his promo. That's his branding. That's what he does. Um, I guess the reality check for most most people would be without social media, who would we be? I mean, mm-hmm. we don't have own book anymore we don't have the yellow pages <laughs> so i mean like who would you be without that type of platform of significance in- influence and i think far as what we're doing with our influence of change and progress and positivity towards like so culture we're doing this i mean we're, we're we're putting out information we're feeding uh our people on ways to be able to grow and be better right and so when you read that type of stuff on social media in your news feed it's just like really just those toxic darts at this very thing that we're doing so when it comes to like that social media and things like that and then we feed this stuff to our children we give them ipads like marcus mm-hmm. was just saying we give them phones because it's a great babysitter too mm-hmm. Let's <laughs> just <laughs> be real and yeah. it's like uh, when it really comes to that stuff man and then we got to monitor it. Just, it's a lot it really is a lot and that just seems like that's the way that like life and culture right now is trending and then we kind of just really just be lackadaisical in our ways of moving about it, and it can be very discouraging when you really think about it. So, my, I don't know. My takes is kind of I'm kind of up and down with it, me. I really am. So I don't I don't know when it comes do, to
0: that. Do you think we're we're teaching our younger um, the younger generations to process on social media these days?
2: No, no, because social media is like a microwave. It's so instant. And it allows them, they don't have time to process to them when they have a pistol in their hand. And, and it, it's so easy for them to fire back. So when I have that, and I want to clap back on what so-and-so said or what so-and-so done or the situation, whatever it is, I can easily make that post and make my couple and then that's it. And That that, that just blows and goes viral. Sometimes I'm so late on it, by the time I see it, it been out. <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh, you know, I'm behind. Yeah. So I'm like, I didn't even know that was going on. I'm like, really? I'm that, I'm that slow. So and, and, and that's that's it's really like we, it's the, really the bread and butter on really trying to teach our younger generation on really how to process your feelings and how to be slow to speak and swift, you know, right. swift to hear. Like, it's hard to teach them those tools when they have something so accessible in their hands that really teaches them the opposite. Man, This is how you express yourself. Facebook is where you do it. And they see so many others do it as well. And so it's not so much as positivity on being influenced on social media for them to do something better or have a different solution. Yeah.
1: And I I think, oh, go
0: ahead. I was just going to say, I like that. Slow to speak, swift to hear. Yeah. That's deep. I'm sorry, Marcus. Go
1: ahead. Yeah. It it goes back to also like thinking about, again, the unlearning part, right? Like Mm -hmm. for the last eight, nine years, we all have, we hit the comments. There's something that posts, we hit the comments. Again, the people, the, the generation that's coming up, Right. Uh, The gen alpha, the gen whatever Z, they are all they that's what they saw. But now we're like, yo, slow down a little bit. Like, don't do that because. The people that are before you like it, it doesn't go well when you are processing, you're sharing a lot there. So it's some unlearning that has to kind of Mm -hmm. happen through social a little bit where. And and again, there has to be a place where they can go and do what they are naturally kind of feeling to do, which is like put the phone up and be recording, be like, my mama did this, which would be so random. And you'd be mad because your mama just saw it? Well, yeah, because she got Instagram too. So like, (laughs) um, but it's just like those things, I think it's going to take time and it's not nothing we'll we'll see next year. It'll take at least, uh, you know, three to four years where the generation start to be like, no, I don't really want to, share all of that anymore. Like I am okay with uh, therapy or my friends group or the organizations that I'm a part of, they've kind of created these spaces. And I think that's where we lean in as well.
0: Absolutely. Any, um, any advice or any lessons um, concerning relationships and or finances or anything, your 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 college years.
1: <laughs> I'll say this about friendships, like guy friendships. They are. Uh, I remember my dad telling me one day he was like, you know, these guys that you're around, you probably won't see them when you the older you get. Like you may. So when you find some that are legit and that you want to rock with, you know, really pour into that, hang out, be mature with it make good decisions, even as a group. Right. Um, and, that, and that stands tall today. Right. Like there are still guys that I play a basketball with in high school that when I come visit home, like I am comfortable enough to just say, Hey, let's link up, let's go out. Mm-hmm. And he used to tell me, he's like, be careful when you do that. Cause you don't know what they're doing, but like the guys that I've kept around have that. It's a, I feel very comfortable and I trust them in their decision-making. So um I think, too, like as you get older, having guy friendships is important to, again, that community part. But be open, right? Like just because they don't know you from this time frame, it's okay for them to know who you are today. And if you connect over sports or golfing or the game, the video game, like let that be and kind of grow from there and not um, try to to be upset or not be upset, but just not give it grace and let it grow because it's natural, right? Like, but it's tough because we don't let other guys in. be like, man, what you want, what you, what you up to, bro? Like, you know, and that's just a natural thing. But being a little bit more open there mm-hmm. is cool. And finances, get, that. get your money, get your money, Yeah. Um,
3: To kind of piggyback off of what Marcus was saying, I know for me, um, growing up, I've always kind of been a loner. Like I I like doing things by myself. Um, I mean, I had friends, but even still, I was someone who just preferred to do things by myself. But what I've learned more specifically over the past maybe five years, really, um, and I'm 33, is that um, having solid male friends, has been so fruitful for me um, having a, a solid community of guys who i can talk to if i'm dealing with something um, you know whether it's i don't know something at work or just something in my life or something with my kids or whatnot just having um solid people guys specifically that i can just talk to i can hang out with you know chop it up with um, and also learning to be able to express my emotions and my feelings with my guy friends. Because again, as men, we, we tend to keep that stuff in. And, you know, there's a lot of, you know, stereotypes about, you know, being emotional with your guy friends and things like that, that we really need to, um, to break. And so for me, just, you know, being able to have those type of conversations with my guy friends has proven to be very fruitful and very helpful for me. So my advice would be, um, to, you know, not be afraid to open up to your guy friends, not be afraid to have those type of conversations with them because it, you know, gives you a healthy outlet um, and iron sharpens iron, right? So having good people around you is very, is very important. Um, and from, you know, the topic of finances, um, Learning how to, to, and so much can be said about this, but just really learning how to steward what you have. I'll I'll start there, just stewarding what you have. And I think it's great to be, um, you know, to want more and to to go after your money. I think that's, we all should have ambition, right? Um, But just learning to steward what you do have, learning to budget with what you do have so that God can trust you with more. um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, not just splurging. Because I know in college, for me, getting those what refund checks or whatnot, probably should have been really using that money for good things. But I, you know, it was like, wow, I got this money, which really wasn't mine technically, because it's a loan, right? It's just a refund. But yeah. um just splurging, going shopping and going out. And you know, and those things aren't inherently bad, but just again, learning how to have discipline. And I think we, we talked about that earlier, just being disciplined with your finances, is important. because when you get to my age now and you got a family, you know, you're married, you got kids, you, it really comes in handy knowing how to really um, budget and use the money that that you have. So that's my my advice
2: there. <laughs> <clears throat> They're rich. Money goes a long way. A dollar goes a long way when you got a little bit of you got family and you got another master feed. You know, you know, it sounds good to go get that steak, but you know, you got you gotta split that steak. <laughs> no, no, but all in seriousness, um prison taught me two things when it came to actually relationships and money, because those are the two reasons why I went to prison. I had unhealthy relationships and I went chasing money. <laughs> So all that that chase the bag culture. You can chase it, but you I want you to know which direction the bag is going, <laughs> because it might be leading the wrong direction. So chasing money ain't good money. Uh, but it taught me that it taught me two things. It taught me it also taught me that how you value your relationships or how a person values money is how they value relationships. If you ever find yourself in relationships with anyone and you're trying to observe and learn how they are, how they value that money is how they value you uh with money you can invest you can squander you can save it you can um you can move it uh same with people you can invest in them you can you can you can you can you can spend it you can squander them and i learned that about in relationships because uh how how you, you treat one another how you treating someone is often to turn off of the fact and how long you're 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 endure saving or investing financially Uh, i was a person i wasn't taught financial literacy growing up i was raised with my grandparents my mom had me at the age of 12. so i did. we didn't i was raised up in old country backwoods church in north carolina so we didn't know much of anything and they just got about a dime of the dozen we ate fried fish about every night for dinner so but they taught me how to sustain i learned what hardship how you can endure and sustain through hardship i learned that taught me how to save and not squander and always look towards the tomorrow. And I I value the same way in friendships that people don't always last. And I've squandered some relationships in my past that I wish I would have held on to that person just a little bit longer because I was young and immature and deviant and narcissistic and prideful. And the only person I thought about at the times in those years was myself. So how a person values uh, finances or relationships can oftentimes also tell you the type of person they are on the inside and how they value you.
0: Pastor Chris, you said a lot, um, but since you mentioned it, if you don't mind me asking, um, what were some of your lessons that you learned while in prison? Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I, I think that that's important because we do have some listeners that have um, share the same past as you. So please, if you don't
2: yeah, mind. Yeah, sure. Um- <clears throat> I spent six years in there, in that place, a place in that hellhole, I oftentimes call it a place that is designed to break you It actually birthed creativity within me. Uh, So don't please, if you have any loved ones, if you know someone, I don't care how many times they've gone in and out of the system, uh, continue to support them. Because the number one thing I did learn in prison halfway through my sentence is that, man, if you don't have any support, you don't have anything. And support is the number one thing that obviously kept me from going back into prison. Okay. For an individual coming home, 85% chance that they will return, 15% chance meaning that I got a chance to stay out of here. That's, that's impossible to withstand. And I'm not talking about the first six months, I'm talking about within the first three years that I got a 15% def- deficit over three years to stay free from being incarcerated again, to get back out here into society and have a free chance and to make something better of myself and to have a chance at life. If you do have a loved one or nephew or niece that's sitting there, I continue to continue praying for them, reaching out and writing them and in any kind of way that you can support them to to let them know that you're there. Because as you're sitting in those prisons, in that jail, and you begin, a person's mind is in there begins to just rot at the waste of that they're a mistake, that they're forgotten, that their life is irrelevant, and that there's no hope for them. And then what am I, what should I keep trying for? That there's no one else trying to reach me. I think that was the counteract for me, Marcus, when you were sharing earlier about having a good community, man. I think that is so, so important for us to have community. Somebody who can just randomly pick up the phone and call you, or text you, or write you to let them know that, man, I'm randomly thinking about you, even though you may not be thinking about me, because that really keeps a person's soul and heart from dying of passion and hopelessness man if they're in a place that is rotten and it's hard to creativity and then when you are in there with murders and robbers and thieves and con artists trying to figure out a way to keep your head above water and keep moving and keep pressing and keep persevering forward uh so I'm I'm, I'm thankful for prison when I went in there and I'm thankful for everything that it built within me to be today I'm thankful for every day that I stayed in that cell and cried and faced towards the wall to become better, to be somebody, to have children one day, to be a father, and to let the world know that I am not the next statistics, <laughs> that I am not wrote off that that story, that chapter of my life is the, 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 the book is still being written. The, the story is still writing. Critics and naysayers may have written me off at those moments, but God still finished the story. He's the architect and he's the author and finisher of this book, of my book. And so those are the things that I learned in prison. Mm -hmm. I hope they help somebody, but those are the things that I learned uh, in prison that is very important. And I go back into the prison here often often and speak and speak to those men and let them know that I still believe, we still believe Mm -hmm. that there's a community that believes in them and that we're looking forward to their return and that, that we have this opportunity for them. But there is one thing that each individual coming home from prison has to do, that I can't do, you can't do, don't care how many times you pray, No matter how many times you turn off the light and turn the oil on and burn the candlelight at night, it's one thing that you and I both can't do for them is that for them, they have to want it. They have to want it. They have to want that change. They have to go out. They have to chase it. They have to chase it with all within them. And no matter how many times you get denied and get told no on applications, no matter how many times they tell you we get your call back and they never do, you still have to want it like your life depends on it Mm. or like your freedom depends on it because it does. You only have 15% chance. So thank you for that moment. I appreciate That's it.
0: That's good. That's good. Anyone care to share anything else? Any lessons?
3: Um, I, would, I would just say um, one of the, the biggest lessons that I, I'm still learning. And again, at this age I am now is to, you know, find your voice, um, know who you are. That's something I personally struggle with a lot growing up. Is just knowing who I am, um, because I came from a family—it's um, so a very close to family, a lot of cousins and aunts and uncles. Um, and so, growing up, you know, I was always the the one who was very creative. I like to draw. I like to make things with my hands, and just you know was really into the the arts but my cousins were really into sports so growing up there was always this I felt like unspoken conflict between us because I wasn't interested in a lot of the things that they were interested in so I bring that up because you know I know that there are tons of young guys out there who could very well be like me you know they like to make music they like to make things they like the arts um, and so us as a society really supporting those people as well because I do feel like a lot of times we're kind of pushed to the side, and it's the guys who you know play basketball, play football that, and so that's why, Marcus, I loved when you mentioned earlier that um, the organization that you work with, I believe, you know, helps really guys even to think beyond just the sports side and the athletic side, because there is so much more out there. So to kind of go back to my um, initial point, it's just knowing who you are and being okay with that um, and not trying to fit into the shoes of someone else, but really honing in on who you are, um, who God made you to be, and, um, you know, really using that to push you forward. And, you know, for me, I'm a graphic designer now. So that art stuff, you know, it, it really followed me through my life and I was able to use it for something great. Um, And even as a counselor, you know, being able to to sit and listen to people and them, you know, be able to talk about their feelings and things, um, just being a very empathetic person um, has has really worked for me. So, again, just finding your voice, knowing who you are, um, those things are very important, especially earlier on in your life when there's just so much pulling at you. Um, in so many different directions and just, you know, with social media now, like I didn't have that growing up. So I can only imagine what it's like for kids now, you know, seeing so much on social media and wanting to be like this person and wanting to be like that person. But just learning to be you and being OK with that.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Rich, I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, did your family, as you were growing up, did they try to push the sports <laughs> on you?
3: You know, they didn't forcibly try to push it, but it was very subliminal. You know, my dad was a great athlete, good at football, track, basketball. Um, and so I think there was a subconscious push that, oh, you know, you should be like your dad. You know, he was great in sports. Um, but I will say my dad didn't he, he never tried to force me to do anything that I didn't want to do okay. and always supported me and stuff at school when it came to my arts and things like that. So I was very blessed in that sense. But I guess as a collective, I will say that there was a subconscious or subliminal mm-hmm. um, kind of push to try to be like the, the other cousins. Right. Um, so. OK,
0: um, because I, I do know of a young man, um, he's involved in um, space and i know he goes through this narrative in his head and um, about well certain people he may think that some people want him to pursue the, take the sports route and 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 i want him to know that it's okay that he takes the space route if that is what god created you to do then do it and there are no apologies about what it is you want to do in your heart. Would you all agree with that? What would you say to that young man?
1: Double down on it. Lean into it. Be open. Um, Do more research on people that look like you that have been involved in space. And I'm not just saying people that go, um, you know, I don't really know much about it, so I I couldn't really say, but I would do some more research on the background. Who who are the engineers? They exist. Um, Yeah.
0: And, And, you know, I think that we need um, and to need to promote, and we need more Black men in space. Yep. There's we don't hear about um, Black men in space, so why it's, would you care about you know what others are thinking?
1: Yeah, I mean the the program uh, Crown Scholars, like we do a steam camp every year uh, in the Dallas Metroplex is one week, and um, you know it, it involves yoga, but yoga from uh, robotics class where they design they have competitions uh, but also we bring in a lot of speakers and uh, there's this video out about that we we put out and it was this kid kind of giving a testimonial and we were like so what you learned today very simple very open-ended and he was just started talking about how he started learning about um, the engineering field uh, different types of jets like he was naming them and I can't name them right now but it's like he was able to speak on it. it's like, okay, that's driving the impact. This kid, I mean, if he wanted to play football, he looked like a kid that could probably play football. But our goal is to say, you know what? You know, is science, technology, engineering, arts and math, they all feed into what we see on TV anyway today. How can you tap in there, go get a bag, support your family, be, uh, you know, do things you're interested in. And at the same time, you know, fall into your passions and it's not like we're not forcing you to say you got to pick up the ball to get out of here like you really can do these other things to get where you want to go wherever out of here is to them right yeah
0: and you know to be honest um the athleticism is not always a way out for people
1: no because it's so much it's the one what is it one percent like it's so small i mean the number of kids that and, and again i mean we saw it i don't a couple nights ago, Monday night or Thursday night football,
0: Mm -hmm. uh, one of the
1: football players got hit so hard, like Mm -hmm. all that stuff started happening to him, and when you see that, you like I never played football as a kid anyway, so uh, it's probably because my dad didn't want me to, well, it was because he paid, but uh, you know, it was probably because of things like that, and now I look back and I'm like, dang, I'm glad I just played basketball, you know, a little soccer, the injuries were, you know the small ones, and I was okay with that. I'm still okay with that today. And, you right. know, there's no pressure to do anything else. Right. Um, but yeah, you see that and it's like, but there's opportunities for uh, young Black men to really, really tap in We're very, like, and, and have the same passion. And you can be fly being an engineer too. Like you can be swagged up. You can, it's yes. all of that can be there without exactly. having the, the drip cam as you walk into the arena. Like, right, right by the same one at these other jobs.
0: Yeah. I, I just want our younger Black men to know that you all can thrive in any field and any on any platform wherever possible. I mean, the world is literally yours as Black men mm-hmm. and younger Black men. So any other thoughts, any other ideas?
1: Yeah, uh, I would say self-awareness, like Rich mentioned, just knowing yourself, self-awareness uh, and being open to travel, right? Being open to see and go to different states. And uh, if you happen to play, like I said, traveling soccer or baseball and they go, be okay with that and not be so ingrained into your phone when you get to these different states, look around because there's so much to to see. And yeah, uh, yeah I think that that's really key, being open to travel with, um, especially as a kid.
0: I, I love that you brought that piece up because um, in a couple of weeks I have an interview with a um, travel influencer, and that's the same thing that he is promoting. Um, he's he's really big with it. Gets you know paid to travel the world, and um, he's doing big things, um, but it's not really mentioned or reported too too much um, that black men should get out there and see the world outside of America. So that's very important
1: as well. I mean, traveling outside the country, that's where the community comes back. Like Mm -hmm. the home, we can start with small steps, go to Puerto Rico, then we go to Jamaica, and then we go to, and we all, now let's all go to Europe. And it's, you know, it's steps, right? And because truthfully, like you may not have had family members that have done that already. So you may be the first one person with, the passport and with the stamps. And we, I truthfully, like I went to France in in June. I was, my family has never been, not that I know of off the top of my head, my parents or cousins been to France, but like, I had to be okay with saying, you know what, I'm gonna go, like, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna call my parents to call my dad, like, look, 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 like I'm that, that vessel to the next part. Right. And then, um, but imagine if you knew that at 26. if I knew that at 26, 25, and just took a little bit more leap. And I, I think I did. But you know, now what I encourage is 18, 19, save a little bit, take one step to go see something in the states that is, you know, uh, a national park or something like that. Mm-hmm. Just starting small—that's okay—and yeah, just seeing the world to open your eyes up from your from your pond. Yes,
0: yes, yes. Well, gentlemen, that is our time. But before we go, tell our listeners how they can connect with you, um, starting with Marcus.
1: Oh, uh, I can Instagram and all social is Marcus D. Gilmore. Um, And yeah, I'm on there pretty much. I can be contacted from there. Uh, The organization that I work with is called Crown Scholars based in the Dallas Metroplex. So it's at Crown Scholars there. And yeah, I do a lot of market consulting on the side. So I'm always open to connecting in that space. But thank you again. This was an amazing conversation.
0: No problem. And um, Rich and Christopher, um, once you give your social medias, please let every know the, everyone know the project that you're involved in. Um, please. Thank you, Rich.
3: Um, So I can be found on social media, IG specifically, Um, I am Rich Griffiths, Um, pretty straightforward. My personal website is richgriffiths.com. I am a graphic designer, so I do freelance work. Um, So if you want to check out some of my stuff, contact me, projects, photography, whatnot. You can do it through my website. Um, And then I'm also a licensed counselor. Me and my wife um, own a practice together. It's called Crown Life Counseling. Um, so when Marcus was talking about his, I was like, okay, the crown, that whole aspect, we're in there together. But it's crowned, um, C-R-O-W-N-E-D-life.com. Um, and so, you know, you can reach out to me via there as well. And if you're in North Carolina, I can potentially work with you as a counselor. Yes. Um, and so I'll... I'll I'll wait to after Chris goes and we can talk about the the project.
0: Thank you, thank you, Chris. You're on mute.
2: That was a <laughs> test see if y'all was really listening. So, <laughs> so I am Christopher Boulder. My Instagram handle it's it is it's Christopher Boulder. Um, you can contact me through of course social media. Christopher Boulder on Facebook. Um, I have a of Faith LLC company that I'm doing, that I'm licensed uh, <clears throat> mental health specialist. I also work with life coaching specialists, and I am, well, I'll tell you that part in a second. And then I work with at-risk youth uh, kids and uh, uh, youth, rather. And I also visit the I um, council for people who are going to prison and people who are coming home for entry out of prison and so you can look on my website you know details for that or i can shoot you a link however you feel and um, you can contact me on that i also author a book about my prison experience uh called titled broken and i also work with a sexual trauma that rich and i are about to tell you about just now we can start off rich english
3: yeah, so the the name of the anthology book is called Echoes, the Stories of Men Overcoming Sexual Trauma. So it's co-authored by uh, a number of men who some are advocates, um, some are, are actually survivors themselves of various sexual traumas, whether that's molestation, rape, um, the whole gamut. Um, but it also includes just really important information um, about sexual trauma, you know, things to look for. So not only is it, does it, you know, share the stories, but it's a a really good resource. Um, And as someone who is a counselor, I've actually recommended this book to a couple of clients who are survivors as well um, because of the fact that it just shares the stories and it's just a really amazing resource. And so um, the the guy over the project, Robert, who's actually been on this podcast as well, um, he does travel around himself and speak, to, you know, young guys um, in general, but also more so specifically to this topic. Um, and this particular project has traveled to different states and he does like um, conferences or I guess seminars or whatnot where, you know, various people who are survivors can come, they can share their stories, they can ask questions. Um, so it's, it's really been a very amazing Um, project. And I've been blessed to be connected to these men um, and and to be a a
2: part of this project.
0: Thank you so much. Chris, did you want to add anything to that?
2: Nah, Rich hit it on point. That was money.
0: Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Um, gentlemen, you are truly amazing. Thank you for allowing me to showcase your stories, for doing your part in changing the narrative. And lastly, for keeping your commitment by being a part of the show, that means a lot. If you've enjoyed the show, please let us know. We would love to shout you out and post your comments. If you or someone you know is changing the narrative, please contact us at ichangethenarrative@gmail.com. at gmail.com. We would love to share your story. For I Change the Narrative merchandise, visit IChangeTheNarrative.org. Thank you to our sponsors, So Organic, So Suave. You can follow Sauce on Instagram for the latest in product news and updates. Visit at S-O-S-S-D dot C-O. um, We will see you next Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, where we'll have more great show more great conversations. Thank you all so much for listening and being a part of the conversation again. See you soon.